Here we are. Here we are. Here we are with I'm here with Christine and Jill Maria with mega superstar Canadian comedian, actor, writer, and this hour has 22 minutes star. He has been working since 2015 as a regular host on the show and started as a writer. So, you know, we've learned a lot from Mark. We've seen him in Calgary before, and we've done a photo shoot with Catherine Kalnan. And today we saw on your social media that tonight you have a really hilarious episode, and you're playing a ton of characters like even Neil Young. So, Mark, let's dive into that. And uh, I'll also ask you how you've been doing during COVID. Yeah. Well, tonight's show, yeah, we uh, each week we come up with a completely brand new show, and we start writing it like today. This episode will air tonight and we're writing the new one for, for rotate next Monday night. Um, but yeah, on this week, we recently lost our governor general, Julie Payette, who had to step down and admit some scandal. So we're having a bit of fun with auditions of who that might be to replace her. So I play uh, Neil Young and Rick Mercer and <laughs> Levy all auditioning and the other cast play different folks. And we have an interview with Andrea Horvath, who is the leader of the Ontario uh, NDP, the opposition to Doug Ford, and Doug recently told <laughs> question appeared that her her, uh, her her voice was like nails on a chalkboard, so it's kind of a sexist comment, so we talked to her about that, and there's all kinds of uh, different things to make up our 22 minutes, yeah. And as far as COVID goes, I've been doing fairly well. I can't, I mean, we tape in Halifax, I live in Newfoundland, Labrador, there's a two-week quarantine period at either end of that trip, so to go home for one day, means I had to quarantine for four weeks. So I haven't been able to get home. Uh, but that's the biggest change. But other than that, I mean, we have our, our uh, shooting schedule uh, was able to remain the same with a 50% smaller audience because everybody has to be uh, spaced out, of course. And we're masked in the audience and then we're tested uh, each week uh, for COVID to make sure that our crew and cast are all healthy. So there's been a few changes, but for the most part, it's business as usual. That's great. I'm really glad that CBC hasn't quit doing shows that are beloved like you guys. Um, it's pretty incredible that you guys are still shooting and that your team has made it COVID friendly and you guys figured all that out because guys, we need this hour has 22 minutes. Of course, it's the staple show of Canada and especially for CBC. So um how does that feel to be a part of a project that's been on air for 26 years and you know you've been a part of it for well, actually 28 years this year 28 years now guys <laughs> yeah next year will be 29 and then uh, <laughs> you think it's 30 it's the longest running show in canadian history of a scripted yep. nature um the only other one is 35 years i think it's front page challenge which is a kind of a game show that uh, talked about the weekly headlines that ran for 35 years but yeah, so it's it's quite the legacy, you know. The cast changed, the politicians changed. Uh, when I started, Jean Chrétien was prime minister, so I've been four prime ministers, and uh, so that's been interesting. And uh, yeah, it, every the thing is that the faces change and the cast and, and the political faces change, but the situations don't change that much, you know. Mm. We're messing up, and different things happen across the country, and so we're just there to shine a light on things that we think would be made fun of and it works you know Canadians are still watching which is great mm -hmm. yeah so I mean tell us how much preparation is involved 
Well, for the show, um, like today, we start with a blank slate. So the interesting thing about it is last night we performed in front of the crowd. Material went well. Some things work, some things don't. They take what does work and edit it into the show. Uh, we will take at least an hour, sometimes more, of uh, content for, and only 22 minutes makes it. So each week, it's over half of the stuff we shoot gets tossed out. So then today, we start all fresh. So I'll go off, I'll write three or four sketches tonight. And then tomorrow, we have a big production meeting where the uh, writers and the producers and different department heads sit around and we read all the scripts that have been written. And then they'll go off and decide what ones they're going to make based on how funny they are, how shootable they are, what other things we're doing that week. Um, that night, <clears throat> around, you know, we'll, we'll find out what, what's in, then we'll go meet and with the hair and makeup and wardrobe and the set department about how we can get all this stuff together. Next morning, six or seven o'clock, I'm in, we're shooting those sketches. So we'll do four that day, probably four the next day on Friday. Somewhere in there, I used to go off and travel and interview somebody, but now that's not happening. So I do a Zoom or a satellite interview with someone each night in front of the live audience on Monday. Then Monday, we come back in, we tape all the desk side of things, the more, all the desk jokes and, and, and some of the more topical desk material. Then we'll do two live sketches, sometimes three in front of the audience. Uh, and then overnight, the editors get together with the producers, pick what goes in, what the lineup is, make all the sound and editing uh, changes, send that up to the main network, <laughs> and it's on TV tonight. And then it starts all over again. So yeah. you, you learn not to get too precious about stuff you wrote, you know, if I've written something I like and it didn't get in, then it's gone. You can't say, oh, I really like this thing. It's not, it's over. There's no time. You got to move on to the next thing, which is really healthy. Don't get too attached to stuff. That's a good lesson. Yeah, Trent, when I interviewed him, he had mentioned that that's one of the hardships of the show is that you, you have to create your own content and sometimes it doesn't uh, get picked up. And I thought, guys, you are the hosts and the stars. So don't get upset if one skit doesn't happen, you know, because you'll be on next week. But um, I feel like, wow, Mark, you have been, you're everywhere on social media and you have millions of views on your videos. And you're like, you're kind of the pivotal, like, when people think of Canada, you know, they think of Mark Critch and the accent <laughs> from Newfoundland, everything. And uh, yeah, you're, you're a pillar in the industry. And you, for me and other people, you've given uh, people chances to work with you. And uh, you're just a stand-up guy. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. <laughs> well, somebody from CBC, you know, um, it's what everybody else aspires to, to be you know, work with that kind of uh, huge impact uh, artists around them and it's lifelong. So anyways, um, let's talk more about, you know, getting into film. You know, what kind of people should really dive into this kind of career? I think if you kind of shared with the audience um, the truth about it, you know, how it's not that easy and all that and the longevity of this career. Yeah. I think, it, you know, people talk about a big break and I think it's not a big break it's a million little fractures along the way where you learn and experience and you gain and and then sometimes you get a bigger break and the question is are you ready when that comes right and it you know it, it, with this industry I mean it's a lot of it is there's no right answer for is something funny or is someone a good actor or is it well written 
because that, that can mean something different to somebody else. It's like a painting. Some people might love it. Some people might hate it. That doesn't mean it's a good or a bad painting. It's all perception. So you have to keep that in mind and not let rejection wear you down too much because it's just finding your audience. And that's something I was able to do is find people who kind of get what I do uh, over time and build up that audience over many years. I first started in 1990 when I was 15. I rented a theater with three friends from high school. We did a sketch comedy show at 11 o'clock at night. And uh, it was a weird audience of kind of rowdy sailors and artsy people and people who thought it might be a bar and we're 15 years old and we did this thing we kept doing this and that was exciting you write your own material and i've been doing the same thing ever since basically writing my own material performing it for people and then over time you know it was, it was rough in those early years getting started and then trying to break in and especially on the east coast the whole industry is very <clears throat> i guess toronto or bc centric you know and um, so it was very hard for someone from who lived in Newfoundland and Labrador probably to get noticed uh, by people who were making TV shows and films, unless it was in our community. But we're very lucky in Newfoundland. That's a very rich and vibrant art scene, lots of films, lots of TV people are writing and creating, and it's, and it's not a place where people uh, square off against each other. It's very much a place of helping someone out. Mm -hmm. Go, oh, I'll help you with your thing. You help you with mine. And, you know, that comes from being a small place. So that's a great thing. And then when, um, at, after it was 2002, I think, or 2003, when I, they asked me to be a writer on the show, Rick Mercer had, a couple of years before, stepped away from the show after 10 years on there. Mm -hmm. And they were looking for a replacement. So they interviewed myself and uh, Sean Majumder and an actor named Gavin Crawford to replace them. And I thought, oh boy, this is a big break. I didn't get it. And I was like, oh man, I would, would have been good for that. That's what I do. I write political stuff. I do characters. And, but then they got Colin Mockery. They didn't get any of it. Who was from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, and he, is, he was Canadian, but had great success in the States. So they got him. And then after a while, they brought me up to write. And then they said, they said hey, look, um, there's a, a road piece at a, at a curling bond spiel that we wanted to cover, but the cast member can't do it. Do you want to go and do it? Like, do I? Yeah. So that was my first kind of chance mm. to get on screen. And that piece went well. I worked really hard on it. They liked it. And they said, will you do another one? Will you do another one? And then eventually I got to fill in for Colin Mockery on the desk one night. His plane was stuck in Las Vegas and he couldn't get out. They said, we need someone for the live taping. Great spot by suit are you? And you were up, yeah. <laughs> so I got pulled in, you know, just like in baseball and off the benches. And then that was like, oh, wow, he can do that too. And then slowly but surely, you know, worked in just becoming a regular mm -hmm. on the show. And I've been there ever since. And that's led me to have all kinds of different opportunities, you know. And, and it's always changing. I mean, I've been, this show has taken me to uh, Beijing, to Jordan, to Afghanistan, to Russia, all through the States, all across Canada. So it's enabled me to meet incredible people. I interviewed every living prime minister, a bunch of, uh, I got to go on the road and chase Obama and chase Hillary Clinton and stuff. And I've gotten from, I've been able to be in the basement of the White House up to the top and stick my head out of the top of the Peace Tower. And it's all from telling jokes, you know, and, yeah. uh, and being true to yourself. Like I'm, the other thing too is like, you know, I, I 
I was always kind of like, okay, this is what I want to do. I didn't never really want to go chase fame in the States and try to be on a sitcom or something. That just wasn't what oh, interested, okay. what interested me. Was, I think that comes from the Newfoundland Labrador community is uh, saying, I want to write my own things and perform them. And I'm interested in Canada. I don't think performing in Canada is some kind of a step down or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. You can have a longer career here. I think you can be more of yourself here. Like you could be, you don't have to conform to something else. People are interested in who you are and what you have to say here. And uh, so I've been able to, you know, keep at it. And, and, and but there's one thing you can't do is kind of rest on those laurels. You have to put as much effort into it now as you did when you were starting. And if you, you know, and that's been, you know, but I enjoy the work. So, so I, I don't mind putting in the time. Yeah, that must be your motivation. <laughs> When um I when we did the photo shoot, uh, we were so like I don't want to say shocked, but how down to earth you are, and how much you wanted to share about giving advice to trying to make it, so to speak, and uh, I think that says like a lot about Canadians, um, that people can really remember that about we are known for being nice and our A's and our Oz, and it's it's kind of funny that you know you guys really hype that up on the show, of course. But uh, I also want to know, what are some of the highlights of the interviews that you've done? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the shirtless uh, with you and um, with uh, your buddy, the prime minister. <laughs> um, that was, that went viral on the news and everything. Yeah, that was that, so funny. That, that what was, was going on there? I happened to be there and he was there and we were talking up on top of the hill and he was well known then for taking his shirt off in, in the background of pictures randomly on beaches and stuff. People were walking trails and he ran into a shirtless Trudeau. He showed up with his surfboard shirtless at somebody's wedding. So he oh, yeah. Turn around and I took off my shirt. I got a picture. I put it up on social media and he didn't know what I was doing. He said, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't worry about it. And somebody took a picture and we put it out there. And then it went boom all around the place. And it was in every newspaper and it was on mm. every show. And I thought, well, that's strange. I didn't even, like, people kept saying, like, I can't wait to see it on the show. And I'm like, it's not on the show. I was just messing around, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, and then, like, a bunch of interviews with Trudeau were fun. I mean, I got to go on yep. the Prime Minister's plane down to the White House when he had a state dinner with Obama. I got to go to Vietnam with him for an official state visit on, on his plane there. I got to box him. He was boxing for a charity match. So we just got into a ring and, 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 boxed each other that was that was interesting learned a lot from him about him there did and you knock him out i didn't see that one no we, we it was it was a draw it was oh easy, that's easy, nice easy me. it was easily a take he's, he's a good boxer i didn't think he would be but he's he was, very fit i would i would assume so yeah well he had trained like he's trained as a boxer and uh he, this was a big a charity event he had a, a boxing another senator before he had uh really proven himself as a politician after he won this match and people thought he would be beaten up with charity he, he, it kind of changed people's perception of him so it was a big turning point in his career but uh anyway so i think when when you guys did that um your shirtless thing with him i think that changed a lot of the millennial perception of making him look cool and like you know not just a prime minister oh he's very you know, fun you could see he has a humor 
or you made it look like he, he has humor or whatnot but like he, he always plays really well with you and even you go kind of you push the envelope a lot with everybody like you say things that people maybe think in their head that's not true but you can just say it anyway <laughs> and I love how your, your comedy like that you're you'll say the truth sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you get in trouble from from any of the stuff that you say there Mark with your comedy yeah, lots of times people get upset about stuff or they'll, or like some politicians will, um, not so much now, but especially when I was starting out or uh, when the conservatives were in power, Stephen Harper didn't like the show at all. <laughs> didn't like being made fun of. I would get quite upset and then security would try and push you away and Mounties would try and haul you out of places and uh, different politicians. There's a secretary of foreign affairs, uh, Mr. Foreign Affairs, uh, John Beard in, in, in Harper's government. He hated the show. He ran away from me once when I tried to interview him at a thing. Went down a hallway, but the door at the end of the hallway was locked and he couldn't get away. And he kept saying, let's do it over. I won't run away this time. No, man, I'm using this. It's hilarious. So, you know, it's, I find the people who are, there are a lot of people who are very comfortable in their own shoes and, and comfortable with who they are. And, and if they're comfortable in who they are, they won't have a problem with you joking with them or making fun of them. Mm -hmm. If they're not, then there's probably a reason why they don't want to talk to you because they're probably worried you know about something and they're mm -hmm. going to ask you about it. So I find that telling. And then the people who are the most afraid to do it, generally within a year, you realize why they were. Like something will come out in the news or something that they've been found to have done or something like that. So I find, I find that interesting. But for the most part, I mean, like <clears throat> John Fitzgerald, when he was prime minister, no problem. You could do anything, say anything to him. Very open, very funny, very comfortable in his own skin. Would always grab me by the throat and try. <laughs> and, uh, he was, uh, yeah, because he had done that to a protester, was quite famous at the time, and uh, get him out of his way because the protester came out of him, he grabbed him by the throat and tossed him aside. That's what he would be asking me all the time, and so. Yeah, what I've learned about no matter who somebody is, if they're a president or a prime minister or a famous person or a musician, they're all people and they're all worried and they're all nervous about things or maybe, you know, they all, everyone has insecurities. And if you can make people comfortable and if you can be respectful, you can make fun of someone and still be respectful, you know, and let them in on the joke a bit. Mm. And, I find that's it. You just have to remember, like, everybody's a person. There is no such, this celebrity power thing doesn't really exist. It's kind of pretend made up, right? It doesn't matter that someone's Which is the business. It's show yeah. business. Yeah, but it's like, it doesn't matter. I, I don't care if someone's on a TV show, or I don't expect someone to care that I'm on a TV show. That's a silly um. thing. It's, there are, you know, it, 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 we're all people. And if you remember yeah. that, then mm -hmm. it's not intimidated by people because they're going to die too they were all so bored they get sad they get happy they're afraid you know and yeah so it doesn't matter also and you and you you see that all the time when you're interviewing people or talking to people there are insecurities that come out in different ways and you also don't know what someone's going through so yeah like someone would be snippy or snap or like, that person's a jerk it's like no not necessarily you know, their mom might be interesting you don't know them. so i think we have expectations on a lot of people in the public eye they have yeah. it in a certain way all the time. We don't know things. So I generally give people three chances. And if after three times they're still a jerk, then they are a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and you value 
you value people who are good solid people and and i remember when we talked about that before and that's why i'd said like wow you're one of those down to earth uh, artists that haven't you know let the fame get to your head or you're you're a canadian icon you know like i feel like you've achieved a lot of success and in probably some most of your dreams but i'm sure you have so much more that you want to accomplish in your life too but you write a lot about your life uh in son of a critch that was out in 2018 uh how did that book launch go for you great you know i didn't know what to expect it was with penguin random house and they were great people and very supportive and i wrote this book about growing up in newfoundland from uh well basically from my early childhood right up to just after high school and um yeah and it's a lot about my family my parents had both just recently passed away in the last couple of years so it was kind of <laughs> a, a tribute to them but it was funny but it's very personal so i didn't know like ah well people like this but it became a national bestseller and then it got nominated and won some awards and stuff yeah. people liked it which was great because you write something like that a book is i'm used to doing things very quickly and then getting rid of it like i'll write something today i'll record it on thursday it'll be on tv tuesday and then i'll never do that again that's gone but yeah. a book is something it's it's there it's around it's people read it they have a different you see people will post pictures and tag you of them reading on a beach or in their house or at their cottage or on a bus and it's like you know, oh wow that's got like this life that carries on and it's neat to hear people talk about it sometimes i'll do a reading of it or speak at an event or something and someone will come up and ask me a question about my parents something kind of personal and I'd say what well, did you know them and they're like no no I read your book I'm like oh right right I forgot that that <laughs> that stuff was in there and uh it's it's interesting because it's you know, the way then people will share it and stuff and, and give it to other people or buy it as a gift and that's neat to see that you know people have this kind of personal connection to it which is really cool um and so uh, yeah I found that whole process very uh uh very fulfilling and 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 kind of a really special time and i just finished my second book they'll be out mm. in october so wow. well you heard it first from here from i'm yes. here probably not first but so mark tell us um i mean growing up um with storytellers like rick mercer alan doyle like where you're from i should say did it help define you for who you are today being so successful and being a great storyteller and and a comedian? Oh, 100%. When I was a kid, there was a show, all of us, myself, Doyle, and Mercer, right? There was a show on when I was in the first grade called Wonderful Grand Band. And it was a musician from here, a well-known singer-songwriter named Ron Hines, who's since passed away. And he was a, a great Canadian singer-songwriter. Uh, and we we loved him in Newfoundland Labrador. And his band, the Wonderful Grand Band, was, was just these incredible musicians. And they were also quite funny. And they did a live stage show with Tommy Sexton, who I think is the, was the best entertainer to ever come out of Newfoundland and Labrador. And he's passed away. And, and Greg Malone. And these two guys were just brilliant sketch comedians. And so they would do sketches with the band. And then they would also play original music. And it was a TV show about this kind of band and these wild characters. And, and, and they had different characters in there. And there was sketch and there was music. And watching that, Alan Doyle kind of thought, I want to be a rock and roller. And me and Rick thought, oh, we want to be sketch comedians like them. Wow. So that show is what we wanted to do when we grew up. And we all kind of did it, you know? 
And we got to know all those performers. They were great mentors to us coming up. And if it wasn't for that show, I don't think either one of the three of us would, would be entertained today. Or not in the same way, certainly. Because when you're from a small place, and this is where I'm a big supporter of regional representation in Canadian media, right? Because we're such a big country. I'm in Halifax. You guys are out in British Columbia. And the distance that is, is incredible. Canadians don't travel within their own country. If they have money, they'll go to Florida or the Dominican, but they don't go to uh, Nunavut or Saskatchewan. And those are incredible places. We get to travel, you know, on, on, uh, for the show, and I get to meet Canadians all over the place. But I think Canadian media should be very important to very, very aware that part of our job is something like the CBC, to hold up a mirror and show each other the other side of our country and say, hey, this is us, this is Canada, we're all in this together. Did you know, these are some cool people from over here. These are some cool people from over here. And um, in Newfoundland Labrador, we had a great scene and then that became, that show, Wonderful Grand Band, kind of evolved into a show called Cosco, which has gone for about four seasons on CBC sketch comedy from Newfoundland, but taped in Halifax. And then that evolved into this hour's 22 minutes. So it's been a continuation of that. And um, yeah, so it's so 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 really uh, that show is is that wonderful grand band show that was on when I was in the first grade is really the reason that there is a, a 22 minute show here today. Mary mm -hmm. Walsh was also involved in that show and Kathy Jones as well. And of course, they went on to be in the original cast of, uh, of 22. So you can really see the lineage and you can see the effect that art can have on the next generation just through that journey, right? You know, people, and the mentoring, right? So like, when I was coming up on the scene, uh, Rick is, I don't know, <laughs> five, maybe eight, six years older than me, something like that. So when I was 15, like he was much older, right? So it was about the age difference, but he would come see my shows. And then the people from Codco, Mary Walsh and those guys, they'd come and see our shows. So it was always very supportive. And then when they needed a writer or something, like, oh, there's that guy, get that kid. And then, you know, and then we've been, you know, I've been very aware of that and try and point out different people in Newfoundland and Labrador that we could have on come on as a writer or something like that. So that's an important part of if you have, if you're able to get to a certain level, I think it's, it's your duty to reach down and pull some more people back up, up there as well, right? You know, something the audience doesn't um, know uh, as well as you did that for me with Alan Hocko. So it was a really crazy thing. I don't think I've ever shared this at all with anybody, how I make it in my with the magazine, Christine even. Um, you, I think it was um, a show of Alan Hocko's that just came out. It was like a crime show. Yeah, maybe it was a Republic of Doyle or Cot, one of those two. Yeah. I've always watched Republic of Doyle. When I was young, I thought he was such a, a dreamboat. <laughs> and you were on um, uh, Republic of Doyle as well. But uh, it came to town and I, I'd never really been working with a PR company. And so when he came to town, I uh, bugged you. And I said, oh my gosh, you know him? Because I, you know, stalk people on social media. <laughs> That's what I do. And I, I saw that you're, you work with him a lot. And I asked you, please, can you, do you, you know, do you think you could help me out? And you introduced me to them. And then because meeting him, now I work with CBCPR officially. That's right. So 
through that connection of doing a good job with Alan, uh, now I do all the CBC stars that I approach and we had Amber Marshall um, on the cover last year. So for you, you know, I'm very thankful to you. Oh, that's easy to do. That's, uh, make that stuff. that's great for everyone. That's great for Alan, great for you. But yeah, yeah. No, people is important. Yeah. So finally, we got you on the show. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. You're such a sweetheart, giving advice to us. Uh, Christine was hugely excited to meet you. You're, you know, one of the biggest CB star, CBC stars we personally know. So, uh, you know, we have hopefully we have Trent on as well down the road because he's in Calgary and he always sings your praises out here, too. But uh, guys, everyone watch the show tonight. It at uh, Mark, what time we got? Nine o'clock. We're in B.C. So what time your time? I would say, yeah, nine o'clock. Yeah. Um, the, uh, or eight, we're nine o'clock in Newfoundland and then we're eight 30, uh, in Ontario. So I think, no, I think probably just eight 30 in BC. I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's, uh, mm -hmm. it might be not. check your local listings. If you yes. <laughs> <laughs> this hour has 22 minutes at nine o'clock tonight uh channel cbc with mark critch yes